Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 109 of Three Point Podcast. It's a special one. I'll tell you about it here in a second, but we're all three here again. Our triple threat includes the young guy, Jared Fattel of Grand Valley State University and Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan, our middleman, Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm the old guy, Ted Fattel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Our partners, as always, include Advanced Elevator, The Corona Connection, Card Service Michiana, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Sheridan Auction Service, the Corona Public Schools, Promec Engineering, and our online syndication teammates, Sports Radio Detroit. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other great podcast hosting sites. Well, we got three special guests lined up for you. Why not? It is Three Point Podcast. Zach Marble, a Corona alum, just like we are, and uh, he uh, has a very interesting story in the food delivery service industry overseas. We're going to check in with him. We're also going to check in with Jordan Kahana. He has a great uh, Instagram site, The Adventure Squad. And I, that's all I'm going to tell you until you listen to his interview. Very interesting. And also, we'll check in with Laura Goldman. She's a senior video producer of AL.com Sports. She's working down in Alabama and uh, has a lot of cool things to say about this industry that we're in. We're going to get it rolling right after this short break. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. 85, 90, 95, 100. Looking for items to buy or sell? Look no further than SheridanAuctionService.com. We will solve your problem. Bring Sheridan Realty and auction your items and we will market them all over the country and get them sold. If you are looking to buy items, we can help with that too. Call today, 989-720-SELL. It's fast, easy, and we get results. SheridanAuctionService.com. Buy or sell, we'll get it done for you. Call 989-720-SELL. You'll do better with Sheridan. I want to tell our listeners about the Corona Connection. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. And speaking of Corona, make Corona your school of choice. Beginner Garden and Kindergarten registration for next fall is coming up March 5th and 6th. Young or old, it's great to be gold. Also, Advanced Elevator Company features top expert field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators. An area business leader and longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools. Also a proud partner of Three Point Podcast. All right, so this is a little bit of a different podcast for us. Normally we talk a lot of sports, a lot of pop culture and stuff like that, but we're getting into some a little bit of a different topic today with some, with some business, some social media, some travel and stuff like that. And our first guest is one of my best friends, Zach Marble. He's a fellow Corona alum, just like all three of us on Three Point Podcast. He graduated in 2003 with me, went to Eastern Michigan for a few years, graduated from Michigan State, after that, basically traveled the world, even coming back to live in the States for a little bit. Lived with me in Grand Rapids. We went to 7-Eleven yep. a lot during that time, but we won't, we won't get into <laughs> that those details. That was fun. That was fun, though. Zach's been around the world, traveled a lot, and now he's settled in South Korea in Seoul, and he started a business over there. The name of the business is Shuttle Delivery, Food Delivery Service. You know, we see him a lot now, Uber Eats, Foodie Call, all those kind of things. And he's got it, got it rolling over there in South Korea. So let's bring Zach on to just kind of talk about his journey. What's going on, Zach? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Just got back from Cleveland today. Nice. So, yeah, I, I kind of talked about it a little bit. But after Michigan State, you know, you and one of our other good friends went over to South Korea and, you know, made a ton of friends and you guys, a ton of contacts and stuff like that. But, you know, the Cliff Notes version, talk about how you – Ended up in South Korea, okay. came back to the States, and then actually now have settled in South Korea. Okay, Cliff Notes. Uh, Cliff Notes is I graduated from Michigan State in 2008. Uh, at that time, the economy tanked. Uh, all my friends who just graduated uh, got were basically low men on the totem pole, lost their jobs. Um, and I wanted to take a year off to, before I was going to go to law school. So my intent was to take one year off. Uh, went to Korea. 
I, fi- I went to Korea initially in 2008 of March to teach English, which I got introduced to that at an international opportunities fair on Michigan State's campus, like just before I graduated. So I didn't know much about Korea, thought it looked cool. And like you said, me and uh, Nate Copeland, we went to Korea for a year. I traveled, started studying Chinese after I lived there for a year because I had traveled to China, really liked uh, living in or being in China. And I wanted to learn Chinese. So once I moved to Shanghai, I was uh, doing financial consulting for like three years, uh, two years, and then uh, export sales manager for one year. Didn't like either of those jobs particularly much. And um, in Shanghai, there was a company called Sherpa's Food Delivery. And it was a massive success in Shanghai. So I thought, oh, I can replicate this in Seoul because there's uh, nothing like this in Seoul. So that's kind of what I, where I'm at right now. I uh, started that company in 2014, and we've also started a catering company um, since then as well in 2017. Um, the catering company, it's like a food production company. Uh, we do prepared foods like salads, and we'll put them in stores, and also we'll cater for embassies and corporate events too. Nice. So before these other guys jump in, like one thing that I've thought about, first of all, I'm like, you know, you're one of my good friends, so I'm extremely like proud and excited for everything that you've done. But I also look back and think, so we went to college from whatever, like 2003 to 2008, and there was nothing like this. You know, now Jared's in college right now, DoorDash and all these things are just like, that's just what you do. It's crazy to think, why didn't we think of this in 2004? Like we would have made a killing. We would have started Uber and all these ride share companies. I don't know. We should have probably because we were probably no probably because we were eating too many like hot and ready's. <laughs> the good old hot and ready's. <laughs> yeah, we ate too many hot and ready's or Taco Bell, especially when I was living with Matt and Grand Rapids. So, I don't know. Maybe our food diversity wasn't enough. <laughs> right, but that's true, right, Jared? I mean, you guys just do you guys use over at Grand Valley, you know, Uber Eats and stuff like that a lot. You use Uber or Lyft all the time. Like it's just it's just part of everyday culture now, right? Yeah, it's to the point where, you know, Jimmy John's and places like that, you can see the Uber Eats cars, they will, like, pull in between, like, classroom buildings and deliver right into your class. And it's, it's in, <laughs> and, and I know what's the movie where it's, uh, it's like, it's, had, it's a movie from back in your day where the pizza gets ordered to the kid's class and the teacher... Fast times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, but, <laughs> when that happens in college classes nowadays, it's, no one even blinks an eye. It's just another day in class. Oh, but man. I think the reason you guys didn't think about having like Uber or something, like you guys are probably a little too busy having like frat parties and uh, <laughs> yeah, drinking too be. many uh, natty lights. That, that could be. That very <laughs> well could be. Parties, that's what we were doing. But no, it, it's cool that you did that. So kind of, I know you're... You got the ball rolling. 2014, you started. It kind of where are you at right now? Are you guys doing well? Oh uh, yeah. Okay, that's ideas? a good question. Going. Kind of what what's the next step for you? At least over there. I know you have some other plans too back in the states, but yeah. Over in Seoul, kind of. How is that going right now? Oh, uh, it's going really well. Um, so like you said, you know, you mentioned DoorDash, Uber, Uber Eats. Um, there's delivery. There's so many food delivery companies, right? The competition is fierce. Um, and you know, most of these companies are uh, billion dollar companies. We're not a billion dollar company, right? We were founded with friends and family's money, um, of $500,000, like initially. And then, you know, these guys have billions of dollars. It's just not much of a competition. So we are a niche market and, um, over there, it's going really well now. Our customers are foreigners who don't speak Korean and then Koreans who want to eat authentic foreign food. So we go, um, we kind of don't go for the the Kore- whole Korean market. We go for a niche market. And by doing that, um, we've kind of secured a place for ourselves um, in that market. And actually, Uber Eats just announced that they're leaving Korea due to too much competition. So that uh, happens on October 14th. Uh, they're pulling out of Korea, so they were the only other English-speaking food delivery service there. So Seoul. So for people who don't know about Seoul, there's uh, like the metropolis of Seoul has 25 million people, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's a bit bigger than even like the biggest U.S. cities. Right. Um, the foreign population there is over two million people, right? So a lot of these people have language issues where they don't speak Korean. So this is a big problem anywhere. There's big expat pa- populations and uh, you know, it's a 
not an English language or, you know, Spanish language or Chinese language. So, yeah, we just kind of took advantage and that's where we're at now. So, so did you say you are catering to more of the English speaking clientele? Yes, English. So, our, like I said, our customers are foreigners who don't speak Korean. Right. So most of those speak English or, you know, they'll speak Chinese. We just are starting to test uh, Chinese language on our uh, website as well. So we're expanding into that market too. Very interesting. So you said you were going to take a year off. Yeah. When I think of like taking a year off, I think like, oh, I'm going to go to Florida or I go to Hawaii <laughs> or something. How did you end up in South Korea? Well, I did want to travel during my year off, and I had done some traveling in um, North America and then you know, uh, the Caribbean and stuff like that, like you know, spring break destinations outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to go somewhere that was difficult for me to travel and that I thought was interesting. So I actually never went to Asia, didn't know anything about Seoul. My initial inclination was I wanted to go to Tokyo and check that out. And then I started in, uh, investigating Seoul more and found out that I could save a bunch of money there. Because how the deal was, you get um, your housing paid for, right? Mm. And you get like a salary. So I was like, oh, I can save money and I can, you know have a good time in this awesome mega city in Asia that's, you know, an emerging market. And uh, it's like very progressive, you know, sometimes when I come back here, it's like kind of feel like I'm going back in time a little bit, you know, Uh, the public transport there is just so good. Everything's so clean. Very modern city, isn't it? Very modern. There's no crime really, right? So yeah, that's how I ended up there though. Just a job, a job uh, fair on MSU's campus. Now, did you find that, uh, you acclimated pretty well being an American in, in <clears throat> Korea? Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of, well, first of all, like, you know, there's a heavy U.S. military presence there right. in Korea. There's over 60,000 U.S. military American troops there, right? So just that population right there is bigger than, you know, Owasso and Krona combined. Right. So um, that's a market right there that we can get because none of those people are really studying Korean or trying to learn Korean. Yeah, I think it's difficult to understand uh, for people here about Seoul because we don't have cities that are that big, really. The scope is, the scope is, it's like, okay, New York City is the biggest city. I think there's around 10 million is like the city city. And then the metropolis is like 16,000 or 16 million. Sorry. So, so if 25 million people right. and you're, and you know, you're delivering food, right? Right. I mean, what is the mode of transportation? Scooter. Scooter, okay. Scooter, right. So there's so many different things um, between, like, Seoul or Asia, I would say, and, and, you know, North America. North America, there's space everywhere. Asia, you know, the population density is crazy. So that means, for me, I also have more people to be able to deliver to in a shorter distance, which means I'm more efficient. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, there's I can I can get real dorky about the delivery thing because that's that's all we uh, talk about every day. Well, well that's the in and outs. We, we really want to hear. here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People, I want, can, people I mean, are interested. I can I can go as deep as you guys want. Feel free to ask as many questions as you'd like. We've talked about it a little bit like, you know, when we're hanging out or whatever. But yeah, we're we're proud. Corona alums, even the three of us on the podcast, you know, we talk about Corona a lot. We, we are proud. Corunians or whatever. What do we what do we call ourselves from Chronic? Cavaliers is good enough. Cavaliers. Oh, there we Cavaliers. go. We're all proud Cavaliers. But what what were the challenge? Kind of a two part question. What were the challenges for you, being you know born and raised, growing in, growing up in Corona, moving to a place like Seoul, like a, a big huge city, like what you're talking about, in a foreign country, and then also what about growing up in a town like Corona? What did it teach you? What kind of values did you learn growing up in mid-Michigan in a town like Corona that has helped you in your Hmm. professional career? Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. So what challenges that I have moving to Seoul was the first one, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, obviously, the the basic one is the language issue, right? That's the the, uh, thing that I didn't know. And even today, my English is pretty poor. Or sorry, my (laughs) Korean. My English isn't poor. That would be a bad thing if that both of them are poor. But um, my Korean is not great. My Chinese is much better. So the thing about Korea, too, is they spend more money on English learning education per capita than any country in the world. So, you know, if you meet kids between like or people between five and like 45, they're going to be able to speak usually a basic amount of English at least. Mm-hmm. So that's made me kind of lazy. 
to, to study it there because everybody speaks English. Secondly, I work, my company is a bilingual food delivery company. So all the employees that we have are bilingual. So I can have them do, uh, uh, help me or do tasks for me. You know, how did Corona help me? Uh, and like, I was talking with this about my mom on the ride. She's like, wow, it's so good. Like you and your friends, like still keep in contact. You know, uh, I think Corona has like a close knit community. I think our group of friends, especially, um, you know, we played together in sports and we just grew up playing. Like, I don't even remember how early I met you. I remember like playing t-ball and stuff against you, right? Like we have pictures where we were playing t-ball against each other and on the same team. So it's like, you know, we just grew up with each other. So there's always going to be that bond. So I think even when I come back today, you know, you can really see like, okay, maybe a lot of the buildings are the same, but when you meet, like, you know, I just met you what last weekend and I hadn't seen you for two years and it's just like we don't miss a beat you know so uh that type of friendship is um something that's difficult to be replicated i think no matter uh you know where i've traveled i still stay in touch with everybody from Krona, you know that i'm good friends with yeah that's cool and you listen to our podcast too we'll give you credit for that yeah 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 i like that (laughs) i i especially i the one thing there was one podcast where you guys, it was like last year or something, where you guys were really going in on Michigan State. I had to turn it <laughs> off. I had to. It was like during basketball season or something. I was like, I was during, like, I during basketball, Ted tries to keep it even keel. He, I try. He's our. He likes Izzo. I know. Yeah, I love Izzo. You love Izzo, so yeah. So what I think about when I think about North Korea and South Korea, yep. I always get her confused. Like I always like which one's the bad one, which one's the North. Good one. So is is yeah. that like yeah? I mean, and now I kind of gotten better at knowing which one's which. But what's it like living like right so close to North Korea? Is it, is it as like crazy as it kind of seems like in America? I guess. <laughs> Obviously, it's crazy if you're living next to uh, you know a nuclearized kind of like you know nation that's unpredictable that's always a crazy dictator right so that's that's crazy however i don't feel unsafe there at all you know like i said the u.s military presence there and the korean military presence and you know their anti-missile um like artillery guns all these types of things i feel so safe there to be honest and i actually feel more safe than I do here. And I think the U.S. media really blows it out of proportion. The South Koreans, they don't feel any type of way towards North Korea, to be honest, because they know their technical capabilities and they know like what they have and they know what the U.S. has. On like They just put up a, a program called THAAD that was a, it's like a, a missile. So it will shoot down missiles if North Korea shoots them. They, so they put that in uh, South Korea's um, like a city in the south called uh, Daegu. And they said if North Korea lights off one of their rockets, like a nuke or whatever, they know before they're even going to light it because they can tell by the satellite movements, right? They can tell by all these things. And it's just so easy for us to, to handle them. Really. Well, you know, we hear about it here in the States with, uh, you know, North Korea sending up rockets, landing out in the ocean. Does that ever cause a stir there, you know, in South Korea for <laughs> no. people? Or is that just like an everyday occurrence? You don't even yeah, think about people it. are just so kind of like there was one time where a, uh, a submarine actually sunk in like, I want to say 10, 10 soldiers died. Uh, South Korean soldiers and that was that was the scariest that's the that was the one time in like you know seven years of me living there where I was like okay (laughs) you gotta be I always have this plan where I gotta be ready I gotta have my scooter and my wife like in my cat like because we live to the north of the uh, Han River I always have this plan to where like if this starts happening you got your getaway I got my getaway thing like I'm gonna get I'm gonna get on the scooter and ride at least south of the river because they blow those bridges right they blow the bridges so if war actually breaks out you gotta get get on the other side the other side (laughs) yeah well, we could get into a long discussion on yeah. the political between North and South Korea, but really we we'll want to hear more about your business while we have you here with us, Zach. Now, I believe you mentioned, did you start the company up in 2014? Yes. Okay. And you had 500000 in seed money from yep. family, friends, whatnot. Yep. Okay. It's been five years now. Are you yeah. anywhere close to breaking even? Are you making bucks? Yeah. Where, what's the situation? Yeah. So we are, we've been profitable since like 2016 since 2016 yeah so we actually used that some of our profit 
um, to invest in a new company called Crave, mm-hmm. uh, Crave Food, which is the food production company. Um, and yeah, now what we're working on doing is growing the business, expanding nationwide. Uh, so last year we expanded from Seoul. We're almost in all of Seoul, central Seoul. Uh, uh, now we're in Pyeongtaek, which is the city where the uh, soldiers all live. And we're in Busan, which is the second biggest city with 4 million people. So, you know, that's the size of Chicago. Right. 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 Now, I'm a I'm the older guy here of the podcast and I've made my career in sales. You know, and my sales really was, you know, contacts, telephone calls, faxes back in the day, now email. But the world has really come to where you got to be out there in the social media. Uh, mm. Tell us a little bit about that. How that um, works with your business. <clears throat> so, yeah, our company, um, fortunately, you know, we have a CMO. So he chief marketing officer that runs everything on terms of marketing. I don't have to deal with that. However, I do agree that, yeah, we have social media. You know, we hire photographers to go do shoots. We hire videographer videographers to um, we're making some commercials now for YouTube. And, yeah, we just use hyper target our hyper local local targeted marketing especially on Facebook, you know, uh, Instagram, especially with food, you know, food pictures and, you know, these types of, you can build stories. It's quite easy in my line of work because everybody loves food. Right. So yeah, he handles all of our social media stuff and it is difficult. I would say like in, to be honest, it's kind of a pay to play system Mm -hmm. in my opinion. It's difficult to, you know, get many likes on Facebook unless you're going to start doing sponsored posts these days, right? No matter how good your content is, right? in one way, that sucks. Uh, but in the other way, if you know how to work the system and you know how to target and you know how to really utilize it, it's a powerful tool. Yeah, Matt's kind of our social media man, does a great job on it. But you know, like you said, you just don't know what the reach is you get out there, but he seems to be doing a really good job with it. Now, Going back to your your corporate structure, mm-hmm. are you the president of the company? Uh, so one of the officers, and yes. You know? um, so at current, at present, I'm the COO okay. of uh, Shuttle Delivery, um, and obviously I'm a board member as well. And also at Crave, we have like uh, rolling board members as well. So we talked about you like actually going out there, getting out there, starting a business. I've told you before, but I. We talk about TV and stuff on the podcast a lot, Entertainment Tonight. Yep. And I, Shark Tank is one of my favorite shows. I love watching Shark Tank. Mm. And sometimes I think, like, man, I have ideas like this. Or, you know, like, I had this idea a while ago. Or, like, earlier when we started the interview off, you know, I said, like, what if we would have had the idea for, for Uber or someone when we were in college? I don't know. What kind of advice would you have for someone who is saying the same thing or, who, you know, watches Shark Tank and says, like, man, I want to go on there? You know, you have an idea, maybe you don't have the funds right away, or maybe you yep. don't know how to contact people or something like that. Like, if you have an idea, like, what would you say to someone that's like, man, I got this great idea, don't know what to do next? Okay, so, yeah, I mean, the first thing you need to do is write a business plan, right? You need to write a business plan. You need to kind of, like, flesh out your idea exactly, basically, and it's got to be solid. And then, then after you have a business plan, like, 100% done, you should write an IR deck, which is for investment relations. And you should also write a one pager. These things, the one pager will allow you to quickly send it to people and see if, try to pique their interest. The IR deck is like step two. If they are interested, they will look at your IR deck, which will be between like 12 and I would say 20 pages and should be very in-depth, lots of pictures. I I think I've sent you my IR decks before, right? Yeah. Um, And then you should also have like a very in-depth business plan. But more importantly, you can learn everything online these days. Google, how do you write a business plan? Business plan template, IR deck template. Um, And then my other piece of advice would be to hopefully get a mentor or advisor, somebody who has done it and somebody who can fast track your learning because that's what I am doing now with, you know, getting mentors, getting people who can, you know, maybe I can't raise $2 million for our next round. So I need to get a mentor who's done it before and he can show me the proper ways to do it. Um, It's just about fast tracking, learning and getting to the point uh, of success as quick as possible for me. We're talking with Zach Marble, and uh, Zach, I got another quick question: Is uh, what's what's the long term goal for yourself in this business? Are you sticking with it? Uh, you know, expanding it? Are you getting feelers for from yeah. any of the big companies to buy you out? What's the uh, plan? So 
this is the part for us right now at present the, our company is uh seeking a C series a round um for two million dollars and with that money we are going to expand nationwide we are going to improve upon our tech we are going to spend money on marketing uh, we are going to look to other markets at present we're looking at a market in japan we were looking at one in georgia the country as well because we've got some inquiries from people who want to because now we've built probably over a million dollars worth of tech Right. right, so we can start licensing. Yeah, is these it a franchise out. type business? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, so we can start doing these things too. Um, we've also had people who you know want to uh, possibly acquire us, right? Like we've right. had these all these talks, but until you get like an offer sheet one way or, the, or until that goes down, nothing is. Um, comes to fruition right well so, if you're successful that's going to come with the territory right for sure. i mean that's, it, that's a good thing. it's just like you always have to have so many um like lines in the water trying to you know get stuff to come through because yeah it's a grind being an entrepreneur is a big grind oh yeah big grind. it's a time suck yeah <laughs> it's like you do you try so many things and then, you know, you get things, some things work, some things don't work, right? right? And, you know, like Matt said, you have a lot of ideas. That's great. Um, ideas are the, is the easiest part of of coming up with a business. Mm -hmm. An idea is the, that's, that's 1% of doing the job. Execution and like building on an idea and how to actually do it. And is it even, first of all, if you have an idea, see if it's actually going to make you money if it's going to be a business is it a hobby or a business because hobbies you can pay for right right businesses have to make money so if it doesn't make money it's not going to be a business right this is the situation with uber and WeWork and all these companies now you see in the media where they've been blowing through these massive rounds of capital time after time after time and they're not even close to breaking even right wow very interesting stuff yeah. Definitely interesting. Uh, so I, maybe before we get you out of here, I know you probably got a bunch of stuff to do still. So on your your trip back to the states here this time, but you've traveled the world. We talked about it. Grew up in Corona. We've also talked about that. Proud Cavaliers. But what go have Cavs. you learned go in Cavs, your world go. travels that maybe? What did you learn by hmm. traveling the world that had you not taken a chance on traveling the world, going to Korea, and everything else you did? You know what you wouldn't have learned had you not done that. I would say. Anything is actually possible, right? Anything is possible. And by that, I mean, when I was working for the finance company, I was like, wow, I can't believe these, these people have just like, because I was a financial consultant, a wealth management consultant. And these people were, I was ma basically managing people's monies, our money. And I couldn't believe that some people could just like, you know, put away 10K a month, right? Into some investment fund, Right. Because, you know, coming from Michigan and like probably near around Flint, it's like people aren't not many people are having money like that. Paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. People. people are hourly. Right. Right. So for me, that was a big thing. Like I just learned that there should be no ceilings like there's no ceiling. The ceiling is whatever your your personal ceiling is, whatever you make your personal ceiling, because I never thought, oh, I could get five hundred thousand for a business before I did that, <laughs> right? I never thought I could write a business plan and then I did that. But it's just all about, you know, time and uh, for me, moving abroad allowed me to see these different things and expanded my mind. And it's just about expanding my perspective on the world too, I think. That's the biggest thing that I don't think I could have got if I would have stayed here. You you mentioned getting $500,000 $500, from, you know, people that you know. Was, is, was that pretty nerve wracking? You know, those first, you know, few years? Like, am I gonna yeah, lose Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so, but it's also such a driver. There were so many times where I was like, this is so difficult. I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. Like for the first two years, I was out delivering on a scooter sometime. A lot of times. I believe it. Right? Yeah. Um, signing restaurants, you know, uh, going and picking up broken down boxes or broken down bikes, towing them with other scooters. I was just like, what am I doing? Like you have that type of moment, and then you're like, "Yep, friends and family's money can't 
Got to keep going. Well, that kind of says it all. You know, it's, you, you're not a silver spoon kind of guy yeah. that's made it successful. Your your hands got dirty, and that's yeah. those are the kind of people I really respect, yeah. especially when they become very successful. And it sounds like things are rolling along for you very well, Zach. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe you can check in with us once in a while. I know you're in South hey, Korea, I, but uh, you know, I told good you, communication. I, like, I like I like doing podcasts. If you guys ever want, Matt, just holler if you ever want to have me on. Actually, yeah. Nope. We, have a, uh, we have a big listening base in South Korea, so if you ever want to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> uh, we're here. Hey, hey, maybe we can have you come over and do like a little, uh, I can show you around. I've been wanting to have Matt come out for a minute, so. Uh, maybe we could do a three-point podcast uh, excursion. <laughs> hey, well, you know, you, know, you next next uh, summer 2020 Olympics is in uh, Tokyo. Oh. Just throwing it out there, guys. Yeah, it's probably Just as far it as it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's as far as it's going to go. Hey, uh, yeah, we'll pick your brain sometime on how do we how we can make uh, this three-point podcast a moneymaker, too. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> All right, we appreciate it. Zach, uh, safe travels back to South Korea, and Thank we'll you. check in with you down the road. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we're going to keep this podcast going. This is a little bit of a different one for us. Normally we're talking a lot of Michigan sports and everything, but we like to, to branch out and, and broaden our horizons, I guess. And so we're talking with some people who I thought was really interesting, what they're doing with their careers, with business, with social media, and just everything like that. And one person that definitely came to my mind when I had this idea was a buddy that I had. I'm still friends with him, but I met him up at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, Jordan Kahana, he has since moved on, has moved out to the West Coast, living in L.A., traveling the world. I mean, it, I, I wouldn't even be able to put into perspective everything that he's doing, so we'll let him do that. But he has a, a super cool story. We're going to let him tell it. But, Jordan, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Awesome. So, like I said, um, I met you up at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut. So the first question I do have to ask, so we played a lot of ball together up there specifically in the EBL, the ESPN Basketball League. Our team team name, Skipper to my Lou, I still say is the, the coolest, the best team name in the history of the EBL. Talk about the EBL real quick. How cool was the EBL? I, I just I always tell people how cool that league was. <laughs> that, that's funny that you bring that up because, uh, no joke, uh, I was talking about ESPN intramural sports just this past weekend. So um, I live out in L.A. and I'm still playing uh, basketball, a lot of beach volleyball, living on uh, the beach and whatnot. But they were talking about some sort of intramural thing about how it's super competitive, and I was like, no, bar none, ESPN intramurals is the most competitive thing because they bring out a stats and info guy to keep stats on everyone. Like what you're, everyone gets stats of just like the intramurals, and just it's all these people that grew up being so passionate about sports, and so we're all here, we're all super nerds when it comes to being like in sports and athletic, and all had our moments of shine in in playing sports, but. Uh, get it, getting to be a part of ESPN Intramurals is, is a one-of-a-kind experience, and uh, I, I love getting to do that. I, I do agree Skipper DeMailu is one of the best uh, to go around. <laughs> you know, I can relate to that just a little bit. It's, it <laughs> sounds like it's similar back when I was young. I, you know, I hate to sound like the old man that I am, but we used to hear in our area – we had what was called a city league. So after you got out of high school or college, you know, you got a team together with a sponsor, just like, you know, slow pitch softball or whatnot. And we had a very, very competitive city league, uh, three different divisions, an A, B, and a C. I mean, it was as competitive as it could get. And I just remember, and you guys were probably the same way, you know, when it was game day, that's all you thought about was the game coming up later on. It was the whole talk of the town leading up to it that week. You had friends that were on different teams, and there was trash-talking roommates that were a part of different teams and whatnot. So, yeah, it, it really uh, it, it helped uh, living in Bristol, Connecticut, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. The, the thing I always thought was funny is, like you said, you had roommates, friends, whatever, on different teams. You'd be, like, going to battle with these, with these guys, whether it was basketball, softball, flag football. But then sometimes you'd think, like, I got to work with you later tonight, so I don't want to get too much into your head. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we're gonna. So we could talk about that all day. I mean, we we've talked to I've I've talked to um, some other people, some of our other guests about the EBL, but we brought you on here to kind of talk about some different stuff, specifically the Adventure Squad. I'm gonna let you lay it out, but just such a super cool story. I still I I keep up with your travels and everything you do with the Adventure Squad, but I'm gonna let you kind of give us. The Cliff Notes version, kind of what is the Adventure Squad? Tell our listeners that don't know what it is, kind of how it started, and then 
where you are right now with it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a great uh, run with it. I'm definitely riding the wave. Um, so I guess so. I'll kind of start back really quickly. And um, what brought me out to L.A. initially is that I left ESPN back in 2012 to come out and run social media for the NFL. The NFL Network's based out in Culver City, wow. right in the center of L.A. And um, from there, I bounced around a bit running uh, social media campaigns for uh, Pepsi for the World Cup during 2014 um, and then jumped back into a little bit more corporate with Fox Sports running their social media and the NFL, um, their uh, TV to digital integration and um, running NFL on Fox, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then in 2016, I started at a production company. I was head of digital media for them. They work with the Discovery Channel, Nat Geo Wilds. ID network. We were doing like murder mystery shows as those are super popular, um, even a sports clothing line. But uh, I set out a goal in 2016 to adventure out of LA at least once a month. And that could have been the Joshua Tree, drive up to Big Sur, San Francisco, or even like do some international trip. But just like it was a goal that was very black and white for me. I could at the end of the year look be like, did I or didn't I do that? It wasn't like, am I eating healthier? And so I was coming up to end of December for uh, this goal, and I set out to do a road trip that would take me from L.A. to Arizona, up through Utah, and into Colorado. So I had some good friends um, staying in a cabin to ski for New Year's Eve, and I was like, okay, great. And one of my best friend's families was in Arizona for Christmas. So I was like, this is great. I'm going to be with people during the times that I need to, and then I'm going to get out and explore and, and see some uh, national parks and whatnot. And so um, it was December 27, 2016. Um, I'm driving up to the Grand Canyon, um, and in the middle of the road, about 50 miles south of Page, Arizona, were these two black dots that ran in front of my car. And because, um, so I should also say, in this goal of 2016 of adventuring out of L.A., I was documenting each trip that I did, and I was trying to, like, become a better storyteller in social media and, and be better with cameras. And, and so I had my camera in the front seat of my car and I swerve out of the way and pull over and just instinctually was like, grab my camera, hit record. And was like, no one's like, I say it in this video of me being like, you will not believe what I just like came across. And so I chased down and they were two puppies, two eight-week old um, collie mixed puppies and chased them down. They were about a hundred yards up and, scoop them up and take them to a, a animal shelter to make sure that they're okay. But, like, I walk in being like, you guys aren't taking – like, I, I need to hang on to this. Something's going on. There's some energy happening. Like, this is bizarre that this is happening. I've always been an animal lover. Um, and scoop them up and kept them with me and posted this story about me finding them because I started posting on social media. I had about 800 followers at the time. Uh, and – posted about the dogs, and so all my friends were like, what's going on? Who are these puppies? These are, these are super cute. What is going on? <laughs> um, and so I finally put together a story, and because I had been taking that whole year to storytell and kind of talk about my adventures, I had this whole, like, backlog and experience of doing it. And so the story goes out, um, gets a little buzz, and then, uh, I mean, do you want me to jump into it then going viral, or what, sure. how would you like me to take this? Yeah, I mean, I like- kinda, so there's where it started, and then... Uh-huh. I mean, how did it just, it was like wildfire, right? Like, I mean, certain certain social media handles or certain websites, whatever you want to call it, yeah. kind of picked up okay, your story so and it just that. blew so, up, right? So kind of, yeah, so at this production company, it was such an amazing experience, um, yet still I was, like, unsatisfied at myself. So really, this December trip was, I was really, like, trying to find myself and what was going on. Um, I had tried to win over an ex-girlfriend, and it didn't work, and <laughs> so I'm like, do I stay in L.A.? What am I doing? Um, and so that's what that big December trip was. And um, I had bought a ticket for March of 2017 to just travel. I was going to quit my job at the production company, and I was just going to travel. But then I found the dog. And so I, I kind of, like, held out for a bit. And long story short, I quit my job in April and set out to adventure with a May curse. It had gotten a little buzz. It got picked up a little bit by some blogs. But, like, I don't know. I still was probably at... 1,200 Instagram followers and then, like, um, 200 YouTube subscribers. But on May 18th of 2017, I was in Chase Decker's basement in Seattle, a former ESPN colleague of ours. Um, He was letting me stay there in Seattle. Uh, The Dodo posted, and the Dodo is an animal blog, uh, and it 
went hyper viral. It got 20 million views overnight. Whoa. Um, and uh, yeah, and just completely exploded. I had to turn off all notifications <laughs> on my phone because within that hour, my phone just drained in battery. Like it was ridiculous. And so from there, it just kept recirculating. And so for the next year and a half, every like two to three months, it was on the front page of Reddit and just continued to grow and grow. And so I, up to that point, I was like, okay, my goal is to be at 2,500 Instagram followers at the end of this month-long road trip that I decided to take with the dog. And I finished the road trip with 25,000. Um, <laughs> and it just continued to grow and snowball. And I just continued to take photos of our adventures and tell our stories and vlog as like that momentum carried. Well, it's like lightning in a bottle. You, you had the perfect storm there. I mean, first of all, Tell our listeners about uh, about your little family there, uh, their names, and, you know, that type of thing. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, it was a boy and a girl. I didn't even, like, take the time to look to see if it was, like, <laughs> what the sex was of the dogs. When I got to the animal hospital, they're like, so what kind of dogs are these? I was like, I have no idea. I'm still in such shock of what just happened. And um, so it's a boy and a girl named Zeus and Sedona. They are, this happened three years ago. Um, they're happy, healthy. We are living in Hermosa Beach, California. That is our home base. But we have traveled uh, over 100,000 miles together, um, hitting up to Canada a couple times. We've done L.A. to New York and back uh, about three times, L.A. to Chicago and back about four times. Did even, like, Miami to L.A. Like, we've been all over the place. It's been amazing. Um, and they've been such a, uh, a great light and and difference maker in my life they definitely changed my life they're a for collie mix um and it's it's been a wonderful ride so far wow the the quick question that maybe it's a it's going to be a simple answer for you maybe not what's it like to do those travels with dogs i mean those aren't small dogs either those aren't 11 pounds like my, my wife and i we have a, a morky he's a maltese and a yorkie he's only like 11 pounds that, that's not that's not the that's not your pups what's it like to travel with them it is very, uh, it's great. I love having them with me. I love getting to bring them along with my adventures. Um, it is very, very difficult at the same time. My mom always makes the joke that it's like traveling with two perpetual two-year-olds. Like, <laughs> they're, they're smart and they're very, like, they, they behave really well. However, they can't talk to you. You don't know, right. like, if that, what's going on. And, and they're, at the core, they're dogs, so they're going to misbehave every now and then. Um, it definitely adds a challenge. Um, I remember one of my first trips that I did, I didn't even research. I was just like, this is a cool place. It's going to be a great photo, great like content for us. And we drive two hours out of our way in New Mexico, and they don't even allow dogs on the premises. And it was just like, oh, I, like I need to start thinking that like dogs just aren't allowed everywhere. So it definitely has made a, a, a challenge in terms of like where we go, where we can stay, what we can do, and like just like needing to take breaks when we're in the car. I have this bad habit of just like going when I'm on the road and just like blindly doing it. But it's like, okay, it's been a couple hours. We should probably let the dogs run out. I should probably stretch my legs. Um, it, it adds quite a challenge to all the travels. But at the end of the day, getting to like cuddle with them and have their energy and personalities there, it's great. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Well, it sounds like it was a little bit of fate, if you believe in that. I mean, you, you started off saying you were trying to find your way, you didn't know about an old girlfriend or something, and all of a sudden you found a couple of loves to your life, right? Absolutely. Um, so there's a uniqueness to the story as well is that um, so in November of 2016, I was like really close to adopting this husky, but it was about like 15, 16 weeks old, um, and I verbally committed to it and woke up the next day and was just like, uh, I'm not ready for this, like, uh, responsibility. And I started to look up flights to South Africa and all this other stuff and ended up doing the road trip. And, uh, like, a month later, came across with the dogs. And I was just like, wow. okay, this is, this is definitely fate. There's there's some reason to it. And, and that's why that's why he's named Zeus. There's just, like, this, you know, this lightning message in a bottle, like, you know, lightning kind of moment or whatever you want to call it, and just serendipity. And um, it, it's been really great. They saved me as much as I, I rescued them. It's super cool to hear that story, and that, that was what, it was definitely something I wanted to ask you, and I, I figured that was going to be your answer. I, I think that's really cool, and kind of to follow that up, you know, you, you kind of finding your way, the way that you were explaining it, wanting to travel and trying to figure a few things out, 
you ever look back and think like, yeah, what if you had adopted that husky? What if you hadn't taken that trip? What if you planned your trip to go north instead of down to Arizona? You know, like, you ever look back and think like how those two pups just changed your life and, I mean, your career and everything? Absolutely, yeah. So since that time, I've been able to um, grow a large social media following, and through my media background, I've understood how to monetize that. It's definitely been a struggle, but I've loved that experience and that hustle of, like, every win is my win, which was what I've loved and always kind of, like, needed. And um, it's really such a unique experience in thinking of, like, I left the I left the place that I was staying in Sedona at that specific time, and I happened to be at that highway. It's like if I took the wrong turn, if I got gassed, if I, like there's all these like like you said, like if I rerouted my route and went a different way, or like there's all these different things that that come into play. So yeah, it, it definitely is a, a very uh, unique experience and something that people always say that it was like God sending a sign or, or you know. I'm not that spiritual, but I definitely believe that there is a reason that we both were there at the same time. Right. Definitely. I mean, it definitely seems like it. And, you know, one thing I always think, and, you know, whether whether you're spiritual or not, or whatever your beliefs are, that's fine. I, you know, that's perfectly fine with whatever people believe. One thing I do always think is, like, things happen for a reason. And it sure seems like that, that happened for a reason. You you and those two dogs running into each other change, change all three of your guys' lives, and I think it's super cool, but... You know, one thing that I am curious about, and I, I like asking people, some of my friends or, you know, colleagues, whatever, peers who have traveled more than me, held multiple jobs or whatever it is, I like to ask them, like, what do you think had you, like, done what the comfortable thing was? Like, say say you were comfortable at ESPN and you just stuck it out there or you stuck in your hometown or something like that. Do you ever, what, what do you think you would have had been missing out? I mean, you said you traveled over 100,000 miles with those, those pups. What do you think you'd be missing out on if you wouldn't have kind of went outside of your comfort zone? Um, yeah, that question is kind of like endless. And I think innately in my core is that I was always not content with being comfortable, um, and which is why I always reference the, like, that goal and mission to adventure out of L.A. once a month to be like, okay, whether or not I'm with someone like I'm going to go camping by myself or going and doing this and, and, and pushing forward. So I think I w- I'm, I'm not wired that way to stay in my hometown and be comfortable. And so I think that uh, I couldn't even imagine what life would be like. And, and I always encourage people to go go out of their comfort zone, go you know travel by themselves or travel with their friends to a place that they've never been before. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, this is, I can tell right now this conversation, we could probably go on and on and on, but I'll tell you, it is just a, the coolest story, you know, Adventure Squad on Twitter, and let me let me use one of your sayings on there, tell our uh, listeners how they can stay pup-dated on your different social media <laughs> platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we post very regularly. Um, you can find us on Instagram, YouTube, uh, and, and Twitter specifically uh, through... Um, my handle is Jordan Kahana. Um, we all have the, the monikers as Adventure Squad. I, I think I might be changing that to all be handled at Adventure Squad. But um, for right now, it's under my name as we continue to adventure, um, posting weekly vlogs on YouTube and pretty uh, regular content on, on Instagram of just what we're up to and our, our pup dates of adventures. Well, I'll finish my portion here, Matt, with uh, just passing on to Jordan. Uh, my daughter is a veterinarian down in the Detroit area. And I've shared this with her. I haven't heard heard back from her because I just shared with it, shared her, your site with her yesterday. But I can't wait to hear her response. And I've got to believe that there's a lot of veterinarians and all kinds of animal lovers out there going to continue to hop on board. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, from from one pet lover to, to the rest, it's, it's always great to hear people's experiences and how much they enjoy just seeing what we're up to and how I've encouraged them to, to take their their loved ones, uh, you know, their furry uh, pets and uh, fur kids, I should say, uh, with them on their their travels. <laughs> Definitely, I, I'll I'll finish up with this before we get you out of here. I'm just just curious to hear. You've already traveled all over the place. What's left to do with the Adventure Squad? Yeah, so we've hit 37 of the continental 48 states. Um, I'd love to, you know, hit off those final 11. I think it might be 11, maybe 13, something along those lines. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to hit the final continental states that we've hit. 
um, and just continuing to encourage and give back. I, I, my cousin just today rescued a dog, and she has a family of three young boys, and I, you know, she's reaching out to me on, what should I be doing? Well, how, how do I do this? And, you know, for me, as I adopted the, the two pups and not, having no idea what I was doing, and now I'm suddenly the expert on being a, a dog parent. And so just encouraging people to, you know, rescue dogs and have them be a part of their lives and the impact that they can create. You don't have to travel with them, just on a day-to-day basis of the love that they can provide and, and really the difference that they, they make not only to my life but to theirs. Awesome, Jordan. Well, we definitely appreciate you taking some time out of your travels and, you know, everything else that you have going on to chat with us for, for a few minutes. And we're excited to keep seeing what you guys are up to and where, where you take those pups down, down the line. And just one more time before we get you out of here, just tell our listeners again where they can find you on social media. Uh, yeah, it's under uh, my handles uh, across the border at Jordan Kahana, J-O-R-D-A-N-K-A-H-A-N-A. And uh, please say hi. Let me know uh, that you came from here, and I'd love to get connected with uh, each and every one of you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Jordan. Cool. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you so much, guys. All right, guys. Well, we're having fun on this podcast. A little different than our normal sports talk. We're talking to some some people who have some really unique and some really cool careers and paths to where they are in their career. And another person that we want to bring on is one of my friends. Her name is Laura Goldman. I met her up at uh, ESPN up in Bristol, Connecticut, when we were both working up there. She's a South Carolina alum. She's made her way around the country, South Carolina, up to Connecticut, like I said, over to Chicago. She's now down in Alabama working for AL.com Sports. Um, you can follow her on Twitter at Good as Goldman. Yeah, Laura, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing good. We're having fun. Uh, this has been a, a really fun podcast. So, so let's let our listeners know. Kind of, I, I set it up kind of how you've moved around the country, but I guess career-wise. So you went to South Carolina, and then how did you end up at ESPN? And then now you're at AL.com Sports. Maybe like lay out your career path. Okay, well, I'll try not to ramble too much because I tend to do that. Um, well, I started out at South Carolina, and I kind of got myself into sports. We didn't have a sports broadcasting concentration. It was just broadcast, all-encompassing, you know, news. So I decided I wanted to do sports, and I kind of finagled my way into an internship at the athletic department Um we had, at the time, it was very small. I was one of three interns, and it's since become a, a really big internship program with the athletic department. But anyway, I kind of learned to shoot, edit, produce, report, all of that stuff just kind of through an internship that I did for about three years in college and kind of used that as a springboard into an ESPN internship, which I then turned into a full-time job. <laughs> so that's where I met you. Matt, and I was there for about four years um, as a PA um, in studio for a little while, and then I moved over to digital media. As you know, after being in Bristol for a while, you're always, after a few years, kind of looking for the next thing if you're not planning on staying in Bristol forever. So there was a new startup company called 120 Sports um, back in 2013 that was launching and a few of us from ESPN actually um, moved to Chicago to help launch that and um, I was there for about two years after about two years a buddy of mine that I knew kind of through mutual friends at South Carolina had just joined the team in Alabama as a video team that they were getting started at AL.com which are you guys familiar with MLive yeah yeah Yep. Okay, so AL.com is a sister company to MLive. There's a bunch all throughout the country that are owned by advanced media. AL.com is essentially the state of Alabama's statewide newspaper online. Mm-hmm. So the three main newspapers in Alabama joined online. So basically, I do sports video for them. Um, and we have kind of a small team of people that do anything from highlights to analysis to long and short form features documentaries like what have you <laughs> what you we cover um auburn and alabama football which is pretty much all anybody cares around, <laughs> about around here so that's pretty much what my life consists of year round is 
is football with a little bit of basketball sprinkled in. Now you you um, said you're a statewide uh, uh, setup. Do you do do you also cover some high school stuff? So we get that question a good bit. We do have prepped writers, um, and we kind of will offer up if a story is big enough, we'll go do something with it. But we wouldn't just go on Friday nights to games unfortunately because that just as from a video perspective it just doesn't move the needle for us but sure. we cover from a written perspective i like to ask when when we've been doing these interviews i like to ask the the people that we're talking to kind of you you talked about doing an internship at south carolina and then espn chicago you've you've had some some really good experiences i'm curious what you think was so valuable about the internship and then the experience at espn and then the experience in Chicago and all, all of your the overall experience that has helped you be the senior video producer at AL.com Sports. Well, um, well, first of all, I wouldn't trade living in Bristol for anything. Like, those were awesome years. And I say it was like going to college all over again. And I kind of – I did a lot of growing up there and learning how to fail and how to recover from that and learning resiliency. You know, when you're in your early 20s and you go off on your own, it's kind of nice. You don't always have the the privilege, like the privilege to do that in a lot of jobs. But the way that it's set up there, kind of, you kind of have a whole lot of other people there that are in the same boat as you. So, um, as far as ESPN goes, that kind of it, that was invaluable in in learning how to do stuff on your own and pick yourself up by the bootstraps and keep going. Um, in college. I would say my boss is basically like, I'm not going to hold your hand. I'll give you the equipment and I'll, you know, help you if you have questions, but you got to do this yourself. I always tell kids that I talk to now, like, you can't expect things to just get handed to you. Like, you always have to seek things out because, especially in this business, the opportunities are not usually just going to fall on your lap. Like, and with how competitive it is, you have to find those little niches that, other people might not be thinking of but living in Chicago was awesome and I loved it and I don't think I quite got my fill in the two years that I was there of the city but the job just kind of taught me what I didn't want to do and I ended up getting myself out of that situation and into a situation that has turned into five years of basically covering two really awesome football teams that are always in the hunt at least in the last 10 years, you know. I mean, for somebody that went to an SEC school, this has kind of been a dream come true. So you've kind of, you've covered, I mean, obviously a lot of different SEC football. You went to school in South Carolina. Is the SEC, like, does football and just in general athletics, does it really mean that much more than compared to, like, the Big Ten or uh, the ACC or well, something yeah, like that? The, the slogan for the SEC is it just means more. Obviously. <laughs> it's what the whole commercial thing is based on. <laughs> Growing up in South Carolina, I was like, oh, the South Carolina Clemson rivalry is just the biggest rivalry, blah, blah, blah. But then I moved to Alabama, and it's just a whole nother insane thing. And I feel like if people from you guys' next of the woods came down yeah. to Alabama and, like, lived here for a year and immersed yourself in it, you would probably understand why they have that slogan, because people legitimately i mean if you watch five minutes of the paul guy mom show it's just kind of another world down here when it comes to college sports they don't have professional sports down here you know like in big 10 country you've got your your professional teams so i mean you take all of your fandom from that those professional teams that big 10 fans have and take that and then add that all into an sec fan like that's you take all that extra stuff and put it in that, and that's where all of the energy goes. Well, you know, you cover sports, and, and obviously Alabama, Auburn, huge down there. Tell our listeners a little bit about when you're covering them. Are you talking the press conferences? Are you talking you're there talking to the coaches after every practice? What What's a day in the life of covering Alabama or Auburn entail? Well, for me specifically, um, we don't cover – Stuff quite like a, a TV news station does, but for me and my team personally, we're there for all of the important stuff. We're there for fall camp, for spring spring camp, um, as much as we can possibly be. Those saving press conferences, it's like uh, 
it's hard for someone who doesn't have the experience to jump in sometimes, I feel like. Yeah. We always we always joke that for our new beat writers, you're not inducted in until you've gotten Saban to give you one of his famous rants. Yeah. Yeah, take some so, shots at you. Luckily, within that, in those situations, I'm not really speaking up. I'm more just making sure that our stream is running fine. But, I mean, I when I'm working on longer-form projects, I do a lot of um, the longer-form documentary type things, which is kind of the time of year I'm in right now. Well, it's a good place to, to get your chops, I guess, and get some experience. And, <laughs> and speaking of that, you kind of had a different, like, path as far as where you've lived, almost like opposite of me, Michigan mm-hmm. to Connecticut to North Carolina. And when I think about yep. that, like 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, if you would have told me, hey, you're going to live in Connecticut for a while, and then you're going to raise a family in North Carolina, I would have said, you're crazy. Yeah. Like, I would have said, I'm going to be in Michigan the rest of my life. But when I look back on it, I am I'm super happy that I kind of, like, made the leap of faith and, and moved out of Michigan because while I still love Michigan, I'm a proud Michigander, it, it, moving away opened my eyes to a lot of, like, cultural differences and, and just, you know, yeah. broadened my horizons as, you know, stuff like that goes. When you think about that, you in South Carolina, Connecticut, Chicago, now down to Alabama, if you had stuck in South Carolina, what do you think you would have missed out on or, like, what would you not have learned about your life and, and stuff like that had you not moved around the country? Everything. I think I, by the end of college, like, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I felt like I had outgrown it, which is funny because Greenville, where I'm from, which is about an hour and a half outside of Charlotte, where you are, Matt, um, I love Greenville, and it's turned into this, like, cute little place that's, like, featured in all these magazines and stuff now and, like, Southern Living and all that stuff. But, like, when I go back, it's, it's a great place to live, but it's, like, I kind of felt like I outgrew it in a way because, I mean, that's where I spent my whole life and I'm also I'm I like to say I'm a first generation southerner so my parents are not from the south so I kind of was not raised a quintessential quintessential you know southern belle like I have family from that that grew up in Brooklyn my mom's whole side family's from New York and my dad's whole side of family's from DC and I just kind of felt like I needed to get out of South Carolina and just see what else is out there. And after living in New England, moving to the Midwest, Chicago is somewhere I had never been to the Midwest, actually, um, before moving to Chicago. I moved there blind. So <laughs> I kind of was like, well, I like New York, and people say that Chicago is a better New York. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm sure I'll like it. Yeah. <laughs> and I up loving it and met even more awesome people that I still love and keep in touch with to this day. And, yeah, but if you had asked me if I were going to be in Alabama um, in my, you know, late 20s and into my early 30s now, like, I would have been like, what? <laughs> I never, Alabama was never on my list. So so you went to South Carolina. Have you ever been to a live uh, Darius Rucker concert on campus? I actually um, went to the Hootie and the Blowfish concert. So Alabama played at South Carolina this past season. So you better believe I was the first one being like, hey, guys, we've already booked my hotel. I'm covering <laughs> that game. <laughs> um, but I actually, they played, they had the last leg of their reunion tour that they had over the summer was three nights in Columbia, and I went to the very last one. I don't know. Is there a specific one you're referring to, or you just... <laughs> I just, just I just know that he's he's been known to give uh, some performances live on campus, like after they make it to the Final Four or something like that. And I always just thought they would be uh, pretty awesome. Yeah, well, that I actually went to the the Hootie and the Blowfish concert the, the night before the Alabama game this year, and um, I mean that was amazing. Like everybody in there was just like living in nostalgia, basically. And they dropped, you know how they unfurl the banners and in the basketball <laughs> arenas that say like. Final Four, you know, whatever, um, mm-hmm. and they had back to back to back sold out shows. Wow. They unfurled because they had three nights that sold out, nice. all three nights at Colonial Life Arena, which was really cool. But I don't get to be there for when he does his pop up concerts. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, uh, <laughs> you never know; he might show up sometime down in Tuscaloosa. Well, Matt, he—I remember he came to um, he came to ESPN at one yeah. at one point. I don't know if you remember this. Speaking of the pop-up concerts, that's the first yeah. time I saw him. He, oh, I've got he... that on my cell phone. 
Yeah, yeah, but I was, yeah, I was eating lunch in the ESPN calf, and Darius Rucker was sitting there strumming a guitar, singing singing songs. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Wow, wow. So cool. Well, let's leave it with that. Laura Goldman, uh, tell our listeners again best best way they can uh, follow you. Um, just on Twitter, um, it's good as Goldman. Al dot com sports too, right? Yep. <laughs> All right, check her out. We do appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, joining us on this special podcast. All right, thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Wow. That was a lot of fun with three great guests tonight, and uh, we look forward to checking in with them down the road. But that'll end our podcast. Just want to make sure you subscribe, rate us on all the big podcasting sites, including Apple and SoundCloud. It's absolutely free and will continue to help us grow. That's the most important thing. Send your comments or topics on guest suggestions to at three point pod support our three point podcast partners and tell them you listen in advanced elevators sheridan realty and auction company rivals tap house and grill the corona connection card service michiana the corona public schools and pro mech engineering also be sure to check out our network friends at sports radio detroit and we want to send a, a special thanks out to zach marble jordan kahana and laura goldman for joining us here on the pod this evening. This has been a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the Z92.5 studios in Owasso, Michigan. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Three Point Podcast.